Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert Monday through Thursday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, beginning at 10.30 p.m. Pacific on Fridays on Ground Zero Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, R-D-G-A-B-L-E, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can find the free archive there or search the show name anywhere else you listen to radio shows or podcasts. You can listen for free. And it also supports us financially because when you listen to those advertisements, we get paid for that. If you'd like to get rid of the ads, though, you can subscribe to the ad-free archive with our montages, my digital books, and a private RSS feed also on the same website, and that keeps us on air. I'd really appreciate that, and if you already have subscribed or bought a book, you really do make a difference, and you allow us to do what we do Monday through Friday. I've got a kind of scary show for you tonight, very disturbing, on par with many things we discussed at the end of 2022 and already into 2023. We did a number of shows last year, toward the end of the year, about ball. We did a show called For Whom the Ball Tolls, another show called Bollywood. Most of you probably remember, I hope you remember, for the sake of the significance of it, not because of the disturbing nature of it, but the clothing company Balenciaga. Remember the clothing company Balenciaga and those advertisements featuring the children with the BDSM stuffed animals, the leashes, the collars, the caution tape, the candles, the wine glasses, the rainbows, the implications of children being drugged, drunken, bound, beaten, tortured, raped, etc. Probably couldn't forget that, could you? Remember the company Balenciaga claiming that they had no idea what the photo shoot was about. They only hired a production company called North Six and a set designer named Nicholas Day Jardins to do it for them. After apologizing and pulling down the bondage, torture, and rape advertisements, the company replaced those ads with another advertisement that had kind of very dark undertones and undercurrent. And I say that because you couldn't really tell unless you looked close enough that there was something very wrong about the ad that they used to replace the children that were being bound and tortured and all these other things, raped, etc. Or the implications of those things. First of all, where are those kids coming from whose parents are letting them go and do this? And second of all, you don't have to be a fashion designer or an artist to know that that's not fashion, that's not art, That's an open declaration of this is what the powerful, wealthy people that run the world do. They abuse children. This is the old cult of call it Moloch, call it human sacrifice, call it the devil, call it whatever, but it's alive and well today. And it's called Bollywood. It's called Balenciaga. You know, like one of the photos of the young boy in the room where they literally had caution tape and they spelled the name of their own company wrong. They spelled it with two A's, so it said Ball. Yeah, it's an accident. So in this other advertisement, you might remember, there were books in the background, and the books in the background seemed just like decoration until you looked closer, 
and you see a copy of Michael Bormann's work. Now, Bormann's is a Belgian artist. Belgian, uh, Belgi- uh, Belgium is uh, a very important and significant point here um, because Belgium is a country that is known to have a, a very significant, important castle in which for a long, long time, people have been taken there and drugged and abused and tortured by powerful people. It's called Muno Bell, Bell, Ball, Belgium. Uh, that's the village anyway. The castle is called the Castle of Darkness is the nickname for it. So Bormans is a Belgium artist, painter. And it's one thing if you paint things that are, let's say, questionable. That's kind of the work uh, of that's what comedians do. And that's what artists do. They kind of push the boundaries and make you question what it is that you believe or you think or what you see in the image. But Borman's is a little bit different. Borman's depicts cannibalism, children that are tortured, figures in dark robes, bloody rituals, pedophilia, just really questionable stuff that I don't know if I would consider that art. He's talented, but I don't, I don't know if that's art or if that's an open declaration of, hey, we run the world, if you will. The other book there was Matthew Barney, and Barney is um, a little more scientific in his art. He, does, he has a film series called Chromaster Cycle, and Chromaster is named after the muscle that is... Men have it. It regulates the testes and sperm and things like that. That's kind of weird, right? And the original Balenciaga advertisement campaign also featured underneath of a hand of um, a handful of papers uh, or a handbag, uh, a copy of Ashcroft versus Free Speech Coalition, which is a Supreme Court decision, U.S. Supreme Court, making simulated child pornography legal. Kind of strange, right? And then also, do you remember that we talked about Fashion Nova, another company that sexualized and used children for their advertisements, children as young as three years old, reportedly, wearing sunglasses to cover their bruised eyes, or the panda purse, a reference to teddy bear eyes or large dilated pupils, which indicate drugs or abuse and something you see a lot in pop music. Go watch the Godzilla song by Eminem and you'll see the large eyes there or the dark makeup that runs during sexual activity, all that's kind of implied or it's directly present. Now, that's not the first time we've ever talked about something like that. Balenciaga was just par for the course for us here on The Secret Teachings. So when I came across this story about a new movie that came out a few days ago, earlier this month, I wasn't really surprised, per se, that it was... This, this was the theme I'm going to describe, the theme of the movie. I wasn't really surprised that this was, the, this was the theme of the movie. What I was surprised about was that how close the theme of the movie was, the idea of the movie was, to other things I've seen before, almost like it's copy and pasted. There's a new movie out called Skinamarink. Very low budget, 15000 They made $1.5 or more on the opening of the movie. Limited theater release, largely through streaming. It's called Skinamarink. S-K-I-N-A-M-A-R-I-N-K. 
Now, before I knew anything else about the movie, I did some research on the name. I was just trying to see what does the name mean? And not going into like breaking it down and adding things together and geometry, geometry and things like that. Just what does the name mean? What does it come from? And the first thing that pops up, because my search engine assumed that I was spelling uh, uh, the name of a nursery rhyme wrong. It says, did you mean skidamarink? Instead of skin, skid. Did you mean skidamarink? And I thought, no, because <laughs> I was looking for the name of the movie and the definition and what the word might mean you know, an interview by the director, which I eventually found. But Skidamarink, just with a D, is a cartoon, not a series, but it's a, it's a nursery rhyme that's been turned into by different animators, a cartoon. And it goes a little something like this. I'm going to play it for you. Not the whole thing, just a little bit of it. It's basically about love and it's being happy and joyful and it's, it's a kid's Nursery rhyme. Nothing negative or evil or anything like that about it. Skidamarink. You can watch the animated version on YouTube. Gentle music. Skidamarink-a-dink-a-dink. Skidamarink-a-doo. I love you. Skidamarink-a-dink-a-dink. Skidamarink-a-doo. I love you I love you in the morning and in the afternoon I love you in the evening So there's like an animated cat an animated rabbit The thumbnail says I love you I love you Skidamarinkadoo And it goes on So that's the song some of you who listen to the secret teachings might be thinking, oh my God, turn that off. I, I know where you're going with this. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You probably do, though, if you've listened to the secret teachings more than once. So I listened to that, and nursery rhymes and kids' shows always kind of creep me out anyway because I'm always thinking that there's something influencing the impressionable mind and brain of a little child. So really one of my favorite episodes of the X-Files, I put the clip in our opening montage, the beginning of the show, uh, the one about the, the devil at the school and the cult. And um, the woman tells Scully, one of the teachers tells Scully that they influence our children through movies and books and things like that. They prey on children's innocence, the other guy says. So i looking up the title of Skinamarink to see what it means, and I get Skinamarink. And I get this song. Skidamarink, a skidamadoo, or skidamarinkadoo. I love you. Skidamarinkadinkadink, skidamarinkadoo. I love you. Okay, so that can't be harmful, right? And I'm not saying that it is harmful for the record. I'm not saying that that's <laughs> some evil song. I'm saying that let's keep that song in mind for a moment. So that's what I found. And then I came across the article. Uh, I came across an article from HITC and Jezebel, where the director of Skinamarink, the movie, which is what I was originally looking up to see what the name meant, where the director, Kyle Edward Ball, funny enough, his name is Ball, 
is giving an interview and he's talking about what the name means. So the name he did derive from Skidamarink, that video I just played you, that audio I just played you. He derived the name of this horror movie from this kid's musical nursery rhyme. Now the movie Skidamarink with an N, it's an experimental horror movie and it's Canadian. So it's not exactly Bollywood, but it's Bollywood shoots a lot of their stuff up in Canada anyway. And I, I don't mean the, the Indian one. I mean the California one. They shoot a lot of their stuff up in Toronto, a lot of stuff in Canada. But this is a Canadian experimental horror film. And it was made for just around 15 or so thousand dollars. And they made a lot of money. And the movie tells the tale of two children who wake up one night to find that their father is missing and that their house is changing. A lot of people also wondered, what does Skinamarink mean? That's a weird name. What does it mean? So the director says it's derived from the preschool nursery sing-along, the one that I just played you. The nursery sing-along is Skitty Marink a dink a boomp or Skitty Marink a do. Again, that's what I just played you. The director says it's just basically supposed to be nonsense. Just nonsense. And it was a working title for the, for the movie. And that's really all that we know. Now, I went to the internet to do a little more sleuthing. And I came across a kid's website for kids music called supersimple.com. If you type in supersimple.com, just like it sounds, supersimple.com. It's super simple forward slash song, forward slash skidamarink, S-K-I-D-A-M-A-R-I-N-K, you get this description. Sweet and just a little bit silly. Skidamarink is the perfect kid song to say, I love you. It's great for Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and just about any time of the year, you'd like to tell someone you love them. And it's the inspiration for a horror movie about two children waking up to find that their father is missing, the house is changing, windows, doors, they're trapped, and this voice is speaking to them. The voice that's speaking to them tells them to do really bad things, kind of like Saul almost. You need to do this or something bad happens to you. According to Screen Rant, the main antagonist of Skinamarink, not this, but Skinamarink, is a voice that speaks to the two children at the center of the story. But the voice's identity is a lot more darker than what people realize. Again, this is Screen Rant, so this is like a pretty... Uh, pretty significant uh, film, TV show kind of a website. It's, you know, just like you'd go to IMBD. Screen Rant's a pretty popular website for, for uh, film information. Uh, so what, what exactly is the voice? It implies child abuse of some kind. So this, I'm just reading this from Screen Rant. Screen Rant says, The kids are told what to do, and if they don't do it, they are harmed. The most horrific example of the abuse is when the voice tells Kaylee, one of the children, 
There's Kevin and Kaylee. When the voice tells Kaylee to stab herself in the eye, which is then followed in the movie by a shot of blood appearing on the wall, implying obviously that she stabbed herself in the eye. The voice ensures the children that if they disobey, harm will be done to them anyway, such as an abusive parent might abuse their child. So the kids are kind of trapped in this house. They're being threatened. They don't harm themselves or do what the voice says. They could be harmed even more so. Something bad could happen to them, etc. And the idea, the implication is that this sort of implies child abuse. Children are trapped in what should be a safe place. Their guardians that should take care of them are actually abusing them. That's the idea of the movie. Now, it's a, it's a horrifying idea because not so much that it, you know, it deals with kids or that it, you know, some people might find this scary, some people might not find it scary. But it's a horrifying idea because it mirrors and mimics and parallels so many other things we've talked about in the secret teachings before. For example, there's a TV show called Evil. TV show called Evil that came out in 2019. They've got three seasons. Stars Kadja Herbers and Mike Coulter, Michael Emerson, and a few others. And uh, when it first came out, I, I thought, this is great. I lo- Evil is a great show. It's going to be my new show. And then they started making it about social justice and all that crap. And first season wasn't really like that. So I, I enjoyed Evil the first season. I'd rewatched the first season. The rest of it, I, I, I didn't particularly care for. So in watching the first season of Evil, there's an episode, the very end, about the way that a song can get stuck in your head. Okay, so let's take a look at the actual the actual episode. It's called Seven Swans a Singing and it's about what amounts to a subliminal auditory message that is put into a a, a video. I'm going to break this down very simple. Put into a video And when people watch the video, young girls in particular watch the video, they hear this song, which is itself laced with a voice that can only be heard by young people, and it influences them to commit self-harm. In the TV show, one of the girls stabs herself in the eardrum. Other kids are doing similar things at school, and young kids are going crazy watching these videos. In the TV show, there's also something called the Melendez Challenge, kind of like Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. It's Melendez Challenge, Melendez Challenge, Melendez Challenge. You have all these different layers to it. In essence, though, it's an innocent video on YouTube that is laced with a song that is kind of has this almost child abuse-like Rick and Morty feel to it and then underneath of that is a voice telling people to commit self-harm so i have a copy of the script here just a single page of it and i'm going to i'm going to read to you you don't need to worry about the characters necessarily i'm just going to read to you uh the discussion that's taking place in the in the tv show rather than playing it because i, I want to really emphasize the, the wording and the and the the dialogue so here's how it starts did your daughters hear anything in the melinda's challenge video 
Yes, they said they heard a voice coming from my room while I was watching the video. I listened to all 95 minutes of that stupid video and there was no voice. Yes, there was. Listen to this. You guys hear anything? No? Good. Because that is at 17,000 hertz range, which is the range that only people under 16 can hear. Are you kidding? Those are sounds that only teenagers can hear? Yep, science is weird. Now, this is what they're really hearing. And they play this distorted male voice that says, across for attention, down for results, across for attention, down for results, and the recording stops. What the heck? That is a voice that is encouraging kids on how to commit suicide. This is the transcript. This is the the script from the TV show. So it's a basically a young girl. Uh, it's 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 about makeup. The Melinda's uh, video channel. It's about makeup and girl type things. And there's a song in the background, and the song has this layered audio distortion or this audio um, subliminal that is telling kids and only kids can hear it to commit suicide. Adults can't hear it. And so the the episode Seven Swans is singing, they're, they're trying to figure out why kids are having these reactions. So eventually they find out what the song is. It's called Pudsey's Christmas. It's playing very softly in the background of one of Melinda's latest videos called the Melinda's Challenge. It's a 90-something minute video where if you make it to the end, you're supposed to say Melinda's Challenge three times just like Bloody Mary. And supposedly the people that do it, they go insane. Now I'm going to play you a little clip from the TV show Evil here where the the main actress, the main uh, the main character, she goes and listens to the video and tries to figure out what's what's happening. So here is a little segment of the TV show Evil. Santa got high, now everything is fine. Someone had a gun, he thought he might try. His mouth is so dry, his teeth are kind of itchy. How'd he ever get so high? Ho, 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 just a taste of a yummy gummy. Ho, 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 yum, yum in my rummy gummy. Ho, 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 gum, gum, tummy, funny gummy. Oh, God, everybody knows. La, 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 la. So that's just a sample of it. You can watch the entire video on YouTube, like from the TV show, the whole video called Pudsey's Christmas. And you heard that right. Santa didn't know the gummy he was eating was going to make him high. And it has a very Rick and Morty like feel to it, which is also kind of significant because if you watch Rick and Morty, Rick and the people that made Rick and Morty are pieces of garbage. I, I love Rick and Morty. I think Rick and Morty's hilarious. But, I mean, they just fired the the co-creator, Justin Roiland, because of the domestic violence stuff. I mean, when we come back, I want to talk to you about all this in detail because there is something, figuratively or literally, that is grabbing and grasping and desperately trying to get at the youth. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Plus a special guest, Robin Punsalan, coming up on The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere.
It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Dot Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Dot Radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need it! Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. And I got high, now everything is funny. Someone had a gummy, he thought he might try. His mouth is so dry, his teeth are kind of itchy. How'd he ever get so high? Ho, 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 just a taste of a yummy gummy. Ho, 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 yum, yum in my rummy gummy. Ho, 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 gum, gum, tummy, funny gummy. Oh, God, everybody knows. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. This creepy song is called Pudsey's Christmas. It's from a TV show called Evil, E-V-I-L. From an episode, I believe it was the final of the first season. It was called Seven Swans A-Singing. They discussed in the show social contagions like laughter or dancing epidemics. And you find out that people in the episode, the young children who are being influenced by this music, don't know they're being influenced by the music because that particular song is placed into an unrelated video on YouTube or their YouTube in the show uh, of, a, of a, an influencer named Melendez. And she just wants to be famous or she wants followers. She wants to be an influencer. So in effect, she makes a deal with the devil in the TV show. And the deal with the devil, played by Michael Emerson, is that he'll make her famous or make her popular. He'll get her all of these subscribers and followers if she allows him to sort of produce her content. 
So she gets a lot of followers and she gets famous. But the devil is using this innocent girl to target young children and teenagers as well, anybody under the age of 16, by inserting that Pudsey's Christmas video, the audio of it, into Melinda's videos. And then in the background of the, the Pudsey Christmas video, if you watch it separately, you can't find that there's anything wrong with it as an adult because you can't hear what the kids can hear. Only the kids can hear what the devil put into the song in the background of a video totally unrelated to the song. And what the kids can hear is a message telling them to commit self-harm. Pudsey's Christmas is playing in the background of the Melinda's Challenge video in the episode. You're supposed to say Melinda's Challenge three times at the end and you go crazy. But it's not Melinda's Challenge or Bloody Mary that makes you go crazy. It's the subliminals in the background of the video. And it's particular, a distorted male voice that says, across for attention, down for results. Across for attention, down for results. In the episode... They say it's the 17,000 hertz range, the range that only people under 16 years old can hear. And this is how the person who put the video together is influencing young people to commit self-harm. They're just hearing a voice in their head telling them to commit self-harm. And they can't stop. They just keep singing. It's like an earworm. It's like a social contagion. Laughter or dancing epidemics, very real things throughout history. I think this show actually could have been a lot better than they they turned it into some social media th- or social media social justice thing. Could have been a lot better, but that episode in particular stood out to me because it's kind of along the lines of what we've discussed on the secret teachings before: the influence of children through these means and auditory subliminals. You think of visual subliminals, what auditory subliminals can affect us in ways like we we can't just go look. For the visual subliminals, the auditory ones, you have to have you have to break it down on a computer or play play things backwards or something like that, which is not always a real thing. But certainly, if you're talking about David Oates or you know uh, you're talking about uh, certain songs, like certain things, you'd play it backwards, play it forwards, like Billie Eilish. You play her forwards, and it's as as bad if, if you played it backwards. So there's a new movie out. This is why I bring up the TV show Evil. There's a new movie out called Skinamarink. It just came out a few days ago, early January. It's a very low-budget film, $15,000 to make it. It's directed by Kyle Edward Ball. Kind of interesting that his name is Ball. And it's considered a Canadian experimental horror film. Now, the story is about two children who wake up one night to find that their father is missing and the house is changing. The main antagonist of Skinamarink, that's the name of the movie, Skinamarink, is a voice that speaks to the two children at the center of the story, Kevin and Kaylee, but the voice's identity has a deeper meaning. It's not just trying to hurt the children. The deeper meaning of the, of the movie reportedly is child abuse. 
So these kids wake up, the parents aren't there. They're not guardians, they're not there. It's the, the idea, the symbol of it. The house is changing, windows, doors, so they're trapped in a place that should be safe. And they're being abused by people who should take care of them, who should keep them from harm. So the kids are told what to do, and they're told if they don't do it, they will be harmed. One example of this is when the voice tells Kaylee to stab herself in the eye. And then the implication is she stabs herself in the eye. It's like, stab yourself in the eye or we will harm you in another way. The voice ensures that the children will follow its orders or they will be abused severely. So you have kind of like a saw element there. But you also have the, again, TV show Evil, where a voice is telling young children and teenagers to commit self-harm, to commit suicide. Now that, in the case of the TV show Evil, Seven Swans is Singing, in that case you have the influence of social media is the idea in that episode. Social media and how dangerous it can be. Social media, I mean this is well known, Instagram, etc. can influence young people to have eating disorders, anorexia, nervous tics, largely girls, and this is partially responsible for the irreversible damage of, well, having your breasts removed, going on drugs, hormone uh, therapy, uh, puberty blockers, and then, of course, at the end, having the dramatic non-reversible surgeries. And, And all of that is about abuse. It's about taking the innocence and distorting it. It's something that when you look beyond the transgender cult, I'm not saying some people aren't trans, but you look beyond that cult and you find now even obesity. We did a show, we talked about how the new guidance from the U.S. federal government on the subject of obesity, the new guidance from the American Academy of Pediatrics says kids as young as 12 should be given medical treatment and as young as 13 surgery if they show signs of becoming obese or they are obese, etc. In other words, if you are a little overweight by whatever standard or if you just don't feel like you fit in, have your penis cut off, your breasts cut off, go on puberty blockers, stunt the development of your body and your brain so you can't think, so you are in a perpetual state of arrested development, you can be used as a drone, as a pawn to carry out the orders of the social engineers. In all of these cases, whether it's obesity or it's sexuality and gender, it's children being drugged and mutilated. It's what you see in the Balenciaga advertisement. They're not the only ones to do it, where the kids are either drugged or they're made drunk, they're abused or they're prepared to be abused, they're being set set there on the couch as a gift for for the abuser, and you wonder, where do these kids come from for a, for a fashion advertisement? That isn't even fashion. It's just like it's just like little pieces of garbage that people put. It's just like sweat. It's like something I can get at the thrift store. It's not fashion. It's a declaration of war upon humanity. It's a declaration of this is the cult of Baal, Bell, whatever you want to call it, Belphegor. This is the cult of Baal. Moloch, etc. And we're here and we're not going away. Balenciaga, Fashion Nova, Michael Borman's 
You look at the TV show Evil, the influence of kids through influencers, through background videos and audio, which is laced with subliminals telling kids to commit self-harm or to commit suicide. And all of those things are not just metaphors for social media. Some cases we're talking, we're talking literal things. I mean, look at the, I mean, like the Melinda's challenge and evil. Look at the challenges doing things that are harmful. Think about Momo. Remember Momo? Mo means devil and Mandarin. Remember Momo? And Momo would just appear on WhatsApp. And people were doing 3 a.m. challenges where they talked to Momo and Momo would tell them, kill your dog or you're going to get hurt. Or tell a little boy that if you don't cut your wrist, we're going to kill your family. And that's coming through WhatsApp, Facebook, social media. So it's not just the metaphor of the influence for eating disorders and drugs and surgery and all that. It's also the literal threats that do this or we will hurt your family. Who is we? A cartoon or a sculpture? Or is that somebody behind the mask? which is definitely the case. There are evil people behind the scenes that want to harm the innocent. Like in the TV show Evil, the guy who basically plays the devil, Dr. Leland. Dr. Leland is the one that edits the video. He plays around with the video for Melinda's. He makes her popular, but then he uses her as a pawn to harm young Girls who watch her videos. Kind of like the story of the Hello Kitty. Now, when we go back to this movie, Skinamarink, we have a mysterious voice telling two young children with an overarching theme of child abuse that if they don't do certain things, the voice is going to harm them. And they're trapped in a house that's changing and their parents are gone. And in one case, Kaylee is told to stab herself in the eye or something worse will happen, so she stabs herself in the eye. At least they, they show the blood hit the wall. It's a really disturbing, disturbing movie. The director of the movie said, Kyle Edward Ball, funny enough, that he got the name of the movie, it was a working title, Skin Amarink, from a kid's nursery rhyme, a little preschool nursery rhyme. That nursery rhyme was called Skitty Marinka Dinka Boomp. Skitty Marinka Dinka Boop, Skitty Marinka Dinka Boop, or Skitty Marinka Do. And it's just nonsense. It doesn't have to make any sense. It's just it's just gibberish. It's babble. Now, here is the song called Skittimarink. Skittimarinka Dinka Dinka Bopity Bopity Bop Whatabity Bopity Boo, whatever. So here's Skittimarink. This is what it sounds like. This is the the name of the song that influenced the the movie about the kids that are being abused. Take a listen to this. Skid-a-marink-a-dink-a-dink-a-boom, boom, 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 across for attention, down for results. Skid-a-marink-a-dink-a-dink, skid-a-marink-a-do, I love you. Skid-a-marink-a-dink-a-dink, skid-a-marink-a-do, I love you. 
across for attention, down for results, across for attention, down for results. And in the afternoon, I love you in the evening, and underneath the moon, oh, skidamarinkadink. So it sounds pretty innocent, and I'm not saying there's some kind of subliminal in this song at all. However, I have firsthand experience with something totally unrelated to this. Don't really get to see my son anymore, but when he was a little bit younger, I remember that his his mom called me and said because she knows what I do, and she said, she said, "What do you know about this cartoon?" She was letting him watch some. It was like a, was, I think it was a British nursery rhyme kids cartoon show. I forget I forget the name of it. She said, what do, you, what do you know about that show? Like, do you let him watch that when he comes over? And I said, well, I mean, like, I think we watch Roly Poly Oly, but we don't really, I don't like, I don't like those nursery rhymes. They're kind of scary to me. <laughs> I'm always expecting there to be something subliminal. So she said, well, it's really weird because I had the TV on and he was watching it. And this one episode came on. He freaks out. Freaks out. She said, I didn't know if it was the, the, vi- the vi- like the cartoon character or the music so she didn't know even at first if it was the, the the show. So she paused it and he calmed down. And then she said he goes and starts playing and she turns it back on and he's not even watching it and he freaks out. He's not even watching. He freaks out. So she said, because she, she knew me and she knows the things I talk about, she said, okay, so what I did was I turned the volume off and he was totally fine. And I turned the volume back on and he freaks out again. Now, that could, there could have been anything in this little nursery rhyme kids cartoon show that freaked my son out, or any kid for that matter. The video of that incident, I remember the video was a clock that said, it, I, think it was, I think it was like 2.45 a.m., which is really creepy, and it was about the, about the moon. So this influence of the moon and 3 a.m., I watched it and I thought, I don't necessarily think it's creepy. I'm not a one and a half year old, but it's kind of strange that you have like if he's only freaking out at this and only when the audio's on, not when the video's on, but the video, which compounds the audio, is like it's like two thirty, two forty five AM and it's about the moon. So it's like, it's like, you know what I'm getting at? It's like the witching hour and the drawing down of the moon. It's like something very black, something very dark. Maybe I'm just crazy, but I can't, I'm not, it's not like I influenced my son to act that way. So just an example that makes me think even harder about what I myself consume and certainly what, you know, what I would want a child, anybody's child to consume, because this sounds really, really innocent. And in the afternoon, I skid him a rink. I love you. Sounds really innocent. Now, this is an exaggerated example. Pudsey's Christmas from the TV show Evil. It's not about love. It's about uh, Santa Claus getting high off of gummies that he didn't know were were <laughs> were uh, were laced with something, and he he eats them, and then his teeth itch, and it's he's Santa Claus is high, and he's he's really effed up. So this is what in the TV show Evil is put into the unsuspecting influencer on what was basically YouTube. What is put into her challenge video. And when people do the challenge, they go crazy. This makes her even more popular, more famous. 
but it's part of the deal she made with the devil. It's not her video and her challenge making people go crazy. It's the subliminal auditory message in the background, this catchy song, which is even catchy. Just, I mean, being not in, I'm not in the show, but just watching the show, like it's catchy to me. And then underneath of that is a voice saying, kill yourself. Here's the Pudsy's Christmas. You can listen to the whole thing on, on the online. And when you hear the little bubble click, that's, this is the TV show. So it's, it's not me clicking my computer. I got high, now everything is funny Someone had a gummy, he thought he might try His mouth is so dry, his teeth are kind of itchy How'd he ever get so high? Ho, 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 just a taste of a yummy gummy Ho, 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 yum, yum in my rummy gummy Ho, 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 gum, gum, tummy, funny gummy Oh God, everybody knows La, 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 la I really love you guys because this is going to be stuck in my head for weeks now. <laughs> and I had, to, I, had to do the, I had to do the show tonight, so I don't want to have to, to get like a, an ear cleaner and just kind of scrub my brain from this garbage. But I also think that the, there might be irony in the fact that that song is so catchy because there might be something put in. I think it's CBS. Maybe it's not CBS, it's producers, whatever. I don't know. There might be somebody putting something into that actual song and that's influencing me. And it's kind of like, it's kind of a joke. It's like it influences children to commit self-harm in the show. But in real life, it's influencing us in some way and we don't know. And then I play it on the show and then I contribute to it. I don't, I don't think that's crazy to think that. I think it's responsible to think that. After all we know, advertisement, billboards in Los Angeles, that put voices into your head. Science Magazine reported last year or two years ago, scientists can now enter your dreams and talk to you. Real-time conversations, kind of like Inception. That's Science Magazine reporting that. You don't know if it's advertising, it's voice-to-skull technology, it's little bubbles of, of quiet and silence or little bubbles of audio where if you're not in the bubble, you can't hear it. It's like Aaron Alexis being influenced to kill people at the Washington Naval Yard, people following him, putting beaming signals through his hotel walls. He complained over and over again to police, and then he carved in a last-ditch effort to alert people, this is my extremely low-frequency wave weapon onto the butt of his gun. This is my elf weapon, extremely low-frequency. Could be any of that. Advertisement, voice to skull, or the, uh, I guess you would almost call it mind control, or subliminals, visual and auditory subliminals, like Pudsy's Christmas or Skidamarink. I don't think that there's something evil in it, but it just makes me makes me think of that story with my son and also makes me think, you know, there's something creepy about that, especially because the people that made Skidamarink use Skidamarink to name their movie, which is about kids being abused by a voice that you obviously can't see, but you can hear that gets into your head and makes you commit self-harm. That's basically Momo... That's Slenderman. That's Pudsey's Christmas. That's the Melendez Challenge. Whether you want real-world examples or you want TV examples, it's all there. And furthermore, the one thing about Pudsey's Christmas that really gets me is that Pudsey's Christmas in this TV show, again, you can listen to the whole thing on YouTube, Santa Claus, who's high off this yummy tummy gummy, he's, he looks like a character from Rick and Morty, which is really weird. He's got the same teeth that Rick and Morty have. 
And the only reason I bring up Rick and Morty is I think, I think in a way it's kind of a genius show. I think it's hilarious. I think Rick is hilarious. It's almost like watching a cartoon version of Back to the Future. But listen to this. Rick and Morty's co-creator, co-founder, co-star, uh, or star, I should say, co-star of, of, of the other stars, Justin Roiland has been fired by the show as of Tuesday this week because of domestic violence. Just an absolute animal. Despite all the liberal equality garbage in Rick and Morty, domestic violence. Okay, so then you might remember IndieWire reported this. Harmon, the creator of Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon, creator, co-creator. He made a parody video years ago in which he simulated the rape of a baby. Now, he's apologized for it, but back in 2020, people were calling to cancel Rick and Morty because Dan Harmon was raping a baby, simulated baby rape, just like simulated child porn in, I think it's Ashcroft versus the Free Speech Coalition, which was the Supreme Court case in the Balenciaga ad. And so you've got both of the creators of this TV show, Justin Rowland and Dan Harmon, domestic abuse and raping babies for fun, even though it's it's simulated. What? And if you watch that show, I mean, it is, it's, it's very smart, but it's also very, very disturbing in a lot of ways. And not just the Lovecraft angle. And you'll notice that the characters in that show look and feel and kind of act like this Santa Claus in the TV show Evil. And at the core of Rick and Morty, you got these two people that are basically baby rapists and uh, they, they're, they're beating up people they live with domestic violence. The show's been in controversy because of that. And then you look at, well, the TV show Evil and you see this character that's kind of like a Rick and Morty character, same teeth as in Rick and Morty, same kind of animation. Uh, and it's about influencing children through subliminals to commit self-harm. And when you watch Rick and Morty, I mean, I watch it, I get like a very sick feeling to my stomach on some of the episodes. It's really gross. Like the jelly bean king who was raping the children and kept a box of all the children he raped. Like the, the pictures, not a box of the kids, but a, a box of pictures of the kids that he raped. You see a common theme here? I don't know if you saw this story, but you know Jamie Lee Curtis? I don't necessarily think Jamie Lee Curtis is a is a monster, but... Jamie Lee Curtis is in a little bit of hot water recently because of a photograph she has hanging up that displays a child nude in a tub from the photographer Betsy Schneider. Now, this photographer also does a lot of nude photographs of children, children that have bruised eyes or coverings over their face or children that are tied up just like one of the lead fashion designers for Balenciaga. Remember the lead fashion designer or one of the lead fashion designers for Balenciaga and her Instagram, etc., was absolutely littered with children being abused where, again, it's like Balenciaga is not fashion. As far as I'm concerned, some of this stuff like Mark Bo Michael Borman stuff is not really art. It's not really photography. It's just literally pictures of children being abused. And that's what Betsy Schneider is doing. Also, a gay couple in Georgia, 
in Atlanta have been charged with molesting their adopted sons, Zachary Zalok and William Dale Zalok, his husband. They have gay flags, rainbow flags, waving those flags. They got kids in shirts that say, all you need is love. You got to have love, man. Skidamarink, 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 skidamarink. Yeah, just love, love, love while they're raping the children. And that's not a one-off. Here's another horrific example. German couple sold son to pedophiles on Darknet. 48-year-old woman and her partner, a convicted pedophile, sold the child. They were convicted of prostitution, rape, sexual, and physical abuse. What is going on here, folks? Transgenderism and obesity, drugging and surgically altering children, naked children, abused children in art and photographs and fashion and movies and TV shows, gay people or people that claim to be gay so they can rape children. Skinnamarink, the movie, two children abused, tortured in a house. It's like Momo or it's like the TV show Evil with Pudsey's Christmas. Creepy, disturbing stuff. What do you think about it? We're going to talk with someone who has some very deep insight on this when we come back from break on the art world in in general. Her name is Robin Punsalan, and she'll be with us right after this break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Just a taste of a yummy gummy Ho, 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 yum, yum in my rummy gummy Ho, 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 gum, gum, tummy, funny gummy Oh, God, everybody knows La, 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 la It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe. Subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. 
This is David John Oates from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. This is hour number two. Tonight's broadcast, kind of a disturbing subject, but one that I think, as always, on par with our other shows, needs to be discussed to bring awareness to the subject so that it doesn't fester in the sub and unconscious parts of the mind. There's a new movie out. It came out in early January. And this new movie is called Skinamarink. Features two children who awaken in a house that they're sort of trapped in. The walls and windows, all this kind of changes. And they start hearing this voice. Their parents are gone. So they're trapped here by themselves with this spooky voice. Speaking to them and telling them things that are, well, a little nefarious. Telling the kids that if they don't do A something bad will happen to them. For example, one of the kids in the movie is told to commit an act of self-harm. She's told to stab herself in the eye. And the implication is that she does it. Now, the movie itself is a metaphor for child abuse. Missing guardians, a house that should be safe, physical and psychological trauma and harm. And the title of the movie, I found this out Before I listen to what the director said about the working title, the title of the movie, Skinamarink, is actually based off of a nursery rhyme, a really random nursery rhyme, a song that's supposedly just about love. I played you a very small, brief example of that in the first segment. I think I played it a few times. And that song is called Skidamarink, not skin, but skid, S-K-I-D. Now, the director of this movie, Kyle Edward Ball, said he felt that the name was was a working title and it was kind of weird and gibberish and nonsense, and that's the title that he went with. Now, the theme in this movie is, is really interesting for a lot of reasons. Maybe it's scary for some people, maybe it's not for others, but the thing that it reminded me of immediately was the Momo Challenge, where a disturbing image and a voice would appear on social media, apps and people's phones, young kids, usually teenagers as well, young adults, telling them to commit self-harm, to kill a pet, or maybe their family would be murdered or something bad would happen to their pet. depending, Depending on the situation of the story, it was a little different every time, but this character named Momo, which is the devil in Chinese or in Mandarin, it is, a, it is a representation of some evil force using a computer-generated image or using a, a statue as the or a sculpture, to be more specific, uh, as a representation of what this, this evil thing is that wants kids to commit self-harm. It's the same kind of idea in, in, the, in the movie. And then there's a TV show called Evil. I thought it was a great TV show when it first came out. Didn't think it was particularly acted or written that well, but it was interesting And the final episode, I believe it's the final episode of the first season before they got very social justice-y, 
there's an episode called Seven Swans a Singing. It's the 10th episode of the first season. And in that episode, there's a girl named Melendez who, in essence, makes a deal with the devil or the proverbial devil for followers on social media. In exchange, the devil or him, he, puts a background audio track into one of this girl's videos. It's called the Melinda Challenge. And when you watch the video, if you watch the whole thing and say Melinda's challenge three times, you're supposed to go insane. So kids start going insane. Now, it's not from the challenge. It's just some silly YouTube-like video. But the song that's in the background, which is called Pudsey's Christmas, I played that for you earlier as well. It's a catchy tune about how Santa Claus got high eating some gummy candy. Really silly and stupid. And the adults in the TV show can't figure out why this song, which is in the video, is causing people to kind of lose their minds. Only young kids, like teenagers, young adults. Well, when you look at the deeper auditory analysis of the song in the show, there's actually another layer to the audio that's only audible to 16-year-olds and under. It's a message telling the kids to commit suicide. The message is across for attention, down for results. And it's a very disturbing episode. It's very similar to this Skinamarink movie, uh, very similar to the Momo Challenge. And interestingly... The director of Skinamarink is named Kyle Ball, another perhaps synchronistical, synchromystical connection to Balenciaga, which not only used children in their torture, bondage, sexual drug, alcohol-infused advertising, but spelled their name incorrectly in one of the pictures, spelling it Ball, B-A-A-L, in Siaga, a reference perhaps to the demon Ball, who I've made reference to on the show before myself, suggesting that people like Billie Eilish, whose name in ancient Sumerian means Billy or Bell, Ball, and Elish or Eilish, which means on high, it's a praising of Ball on high. And in one of Billie Eilish's videos, her drummers and her, uh, I think it's a piano player, they're wearing Balenciaga shirts and the camera pans in. So the shirt is kind of cut off in the frame and it says Ball, just like in the Balenciaga advertisements. And then Balenciaga also uses um, or kind of promotes other artists that specifically focus on cannibalism and bodily dismemberment and child sacrifice and all these other kinds of things. A guy named Michael Bormans. So when you look at all these details uh, and now images circulating the Internet of Betsy Schneider's work, where you got nude children in a plastic bin or you got kids that are Basically, you know, there's a kid in a mask and a kid that's been abused. He's got a piece of candy and his eyes all black. Kids that are tied to a fence, just like the Balenciaga fashion designer. She's got the same stuff. I don't know if that's art and I don't know if that's really photography. It's almost like you're just taking pictures of kids that have been abused. It's kind of like the Podesta obsession with child-themed art where kids are also abused or merged with animals. So the question I have is, why are so many powerful people interested in this particular theme, and why does it seem to permeate everywhere? And I thought that the best way to discuss this would be to bring on a professional, professional artist, oil painter, and illustrator, Robin Punsalan, onto the broadcast this evening. She's here right now to talk with us about all of this and a lot more. Robin, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you, and what do you make of this? I'm doing really well. Um, and thank you so much for asking me uh, to be on with you. Um, 
there's a lot if you explore and really look beyond just where we are currently today in society, because this isn't new. Uh, there have been artists for centuries that have been under attack for controversy. Um, I mean, you know, you can go as far back as, uh, you know, Goya, um, you know, and I don't know how many of your listeners, I mean, you can, Google a lot of these Francisco Goya, uh, Saturn devouring his son, the witch's Sabbath in 1823. Um, and then you can go into the 1930s, the 60s, the 70s, the 50s. Um, the particular artists today that are showing up on our social media feed of those and, you know, bringing it to light, uh, there, this again. This, this we've every it seems like every ten years or so, um, you know, something comes up and an artist is uh, has controversy, and it could be something as it could be environmentalism with the installation artist Christo, who does the large scale uh, pieces where he wraps buildings. Uh, you know, he had the gates in New York City, the umbrellas in, you know, Japan, uh, Berlin, and the environmentalists and the Colorado River, uh, animal rights so that affecting wildlife and the environment. So, you know, it, 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 there were photographers. Uh, you look at, um, the thing is, is even for myself, it's been a while since I've been in an art history course, but I have taken courses where the entire semester was a philosophy course titled Aesthetics. And we spent months discussing what is art, what is good art, what is bad art, what is good and evil. And by the end, the last day of the course, there was no answer. It was just banging our heads into a wall and yelling and debating. Um, and I'm also looking through the lens as an artist whose father was a painter. He worked in advertising with Vogue, um, you know, family of classical musicians on my mother's side. So I'm looking through the lens of the artist. Uh, so, and how long have you done this? How I, long have you been I'm in the art world? I'm 57 years old. So I was a 70s kid. And um, I lived in New York City in the 80s. <laughs> um and I worked for a theater director, uh, Richard Foreman, who uh, was a part of the avant-garde Andy Warhol 1960s, you know, that, that uh, subculture of New York City, Patti Smith, Robert Maplethorpe, even Yayoi Kusama, you know. Um, so this isn't strange or rattling to me. So you've been doing this I a while, think, and this is kind of par for the course in the art world. Well, here's the difference. This disturbing, dark, and and as an artist, we are well aware of the energy and intent we are putting in what we are creating, whether it's a poem, a painting, a script for a film. Um, every creative person is using it as a conscious channel of something internal in them that is so intimate that even artists between one another will never completely understand. So for the average lay person, 
that doesn't create anything. Um, they're kind of reaching out into air. And art will always transcend something in us and others. And it will be a reflection of our humanity, our sorrows, our joys, our horrors. And we have the freedom to express that. And I'm firmly behind that freedom. And I know there are some art, there is art that I find very horrific. I will look at it. I will, I see it there. And then I say, do I have the option to create for myself what's for me or for others? I'm taking responsibility to what the viewer is seeing. But here's the thing. When you work in that dark energy as the creator, I don't know how you have, you have to have a really tough soul to have that energy moving through you because it is harming, it is either harming or healing the individual creating. But that is separate from the business of art. The individuals that are going to support and finance these circles of artists. And if I ask you, can you name 10 contemporary artists from Art Forum magazine? I can guarantee no one's going to know on Twitter that's complaining about this, <laughs> who those artists are. Yeah, I mean, I can't. But I now, can't name those artists. No, and even I'm still learning new, I mean, not your Picassos, and I'm talking about you're current and they're in pockets and bubbles, but now the pockets and bubbles are on Instagram. So now you have individuals seeking it out. So I'm seeing things show up on my feed that I'm startled by and shocked. But I'm thinking, how are these individuals, even those individuals wanting to uncover it, how do you possibly have the energy to spend 12 hours looking at, at these images that are, Horrific. That's that's what I'm concerned about too. Does that make sense? No, it makes. Sorry, I'm going on. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. If you're just joining us, Robin Punsalon. Is that how I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, Punsalon. Punsalon. Robin Punsalon is with us this evening. She's been in the art world for a very long time, and she is sharing with us her thoughts and her feelings on some of the more disturbing art in Hollywood, in the entertainment industry, in the art world in general, and how a lot of this goes back uh, many, many decades. The thing that gets me, Robin, is and, and makes me just ponder and ponder and ponder because this is my job, so I can do that. I can right. do, can do the research. Is why all of the all these big celebrities, all these big names, politicians, actresses, musicians, they all seem interested in the same dark art, and they all seem to have the same like political views too. You would think that in a, in a creative field or numerous creative fields, people wouldn't all come for the most part to the same political opinions, the same political uh, conclusions, and also the same like artistic uh, likes and desires. But it seems to be that's kind of where the the energy flows. Does that make but sense? That's what, that's what we're seeking out, because I can guarantee you there are a lot of individuals in the, the elites that are also collecting extraordinary, loving, and divine pieces of work, too. I don't so, doubt, I don't doubt that at all. You're, yeah, I think you're but right about that, I yes. Am, um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, anything with the, there's some that I've seen that 
I'm horrified by, and it's, um, can you give us an example? Well, um, I mean, I can't think, I mean, I, I glance and if I see like the, um, there's some that been out there, not Balenciaga, well, Balenciaga in itself, but Balenciaga led to others that were, um, really, uh, you know, children taped up and you know, bruised and, and, and I just am like, it, it would be how I would feel about seeing animals or any innocent tortured, you know? And, um, yeah, cause you have a soul. It, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. But, um, the heightened, our awareness and our reaction is so heightened because I think that we're looking at so many things coming at us in the world we live in today that we're so fatigued, we're scared, and we are struggling to just hold on to anything of hope and gentleness and grace. And so I think the reaction of many, even if you don't know art, that's fine, but their feelings are valid because I feel it too. And, um, but at the same time, you have to you acknowledge it, accept it, but you also have to, why and who is financing these individuals with amounts of money we couldn't even imagine? You know, because it used to be they were in dark corners and you really didn't know about them. Now they seem to be everywhere. And I think everything is sped up in the last two or three years um, that I think we're all just, just when we think, oh, I can't imagine anything worse the next day, it's trending. So let's 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 try to break this down. I agree with you. I'm, uh-huh. and I'm glad you said this about obviously the wealthy and powerful are collecting right. the the big artists, the the beautiful paintings and things like that. No doubt, no doubt about that. I think I, I I think this is how I feel. I think this is the conclusion I've come to. It's almost as if there's an element of religiosity here, uh, and right. that they're creating images and sigils and talismans. Oh, yeah. And, and and that's what this is about. This isn't really about art. Like when I saw Loda Volkova, the, one of the lead fashion designers for Balenciaga and some other companies, uh-huh. uh, Vogue and Adidas as well, and you see the pictures that she has that they she calls art on Instagram, it's literally like a child's bedroom covered in blood like somebody was murdered. I know. Right? That's, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think don't. that's art. It almost just looks like a picture of a crime scene. <sighs> And for every time you say, I don't think that's art, you'll have a counter argument. I mean, that's, there's no answer. That can be back and forth and that can go on forever. But I, I mean, it leaves me without words. And I, my only hope is that um, we can find ways. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not Pollyanna about anything, but um, I just think that the, intensity and the horror it's like we see you know it's out there and then we react to it and then everybody is i feel like there's constantly being meat thrown to the wolves oh yes and yes, the innocence and the hope and the beauty is is um, under attack and i've painted i don't uh like lilith and I approached it with great respect. I studied. It was my own personal relationship with the painting. And that 
and I'm sure you're very familiar with Lilith, that's a heavy-duty energy, and I made sure that I try to understand why am I feeling compelled I need to do a translation of Lilith. Someone, re- someone did- requested that from you, correct? Yes, it was for a magazine in the UK, and uh, actually a ceremonial high art magazine, okay, or high, um, high magic ceremonial magazine. And, um, and I wanted to do it, but um, they wanted like a Barbie doll, you know, like the green naked woman from, was it Star well, Trek? What's, well, what's poison, Ivy from, poison Ivy from Batman? Yeah, they wanted her like that, and I said, I'm not that educated on her, but uh, I'm more of Sekhmet. I lean more towards Sekhmet. So, you know, I'm like, um, I don't think that, well, I don't, like, my gut instinct was like, um, the more I read and study and from every angle and the um, um, religious writings and, you know, everything, the reason why I painted her was for me to make an internal discovery about some darkness and pain and suffering in me. And I explored that darkness, which everything is dark and light. And uh, it was tough, but I will be forever grateful and uh, have great reverence that I was able to make a discovery in the darkness in my own soul and my own humanity. Um, And it was such a personal and tough piece. And I deliberately chose not to give it to them and publish it because um, no one would really understand understand the weight and gravity. Because it, it was your experience. Because it was your experience and what you went. It's like like an alchemical transformation that you went through. And we all have that shadow self that you know these you know what we display on social media and what the messy truths are. The artist have a wonderful tool to explore it. Now that's not, not you're getting away from the children and the, that kind of thing. You know, I personally, um, I acknowledge it. It's there and I go, okay, what do I do with this? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up and I'm going to paint something glorious and hopeful and beautiful because I need it for myself. And I think others do too. So I'm like thinking, well, maybe I can, you know, I can only be responsible for my energy as an artist and um, what I send out. And I can't speak for um, these other artists. I can only give my, um, you know, the context of the lens I look through. And everyone is going to have an opinion about sure. how they feel. Sure. Yeah. Well, okay. So every, I mean, everybody obviously has an opinion when it comes to art and a lot of people think art is kind yeah. of, kind of confined to certain mediums. Obviously film is art, making a TV show yeah. is art, you know, YouTube video, radio, th- these are all art forms. It feels though. And it seems though with, with all these details, explicit and things we also haven't talked about, but explicit things we've talked about so far tonight, just give me your opinion on this, please. It seems like there is an effort, uh, again, that religiosity, if you will, there's an effort to put these images in front of people, maybe to terrify people, maybe to scare people, maybe to make people feel worthless or drag them down, as opposed to what maybe a glorious, beautiful piece of art might make someone otherwise feel. So it's almost like a game of vampirism, 
uh, that's played well, with the public. Well, it feels like it's really in our faces because e- even if you go on Netflix, what's suggested to you? You know, I mean, obviously it, the algorithm, if you watch one thing that's, you know, they're going to go, here's, you know. But I feel like it's everywhere. And I don't know if it's just because our access to this information is so immediate because of Twitter and Instagram. Possibly. You know? That's certainly part of it. But there are people that get a high a rush off of railing against others emotionally, being abusive to other psyche, you know, I mean, to a degree of some sort. And we are now staring at our phones and we are, you know, I think that, and you probably know more about this of what I've read about the algorithms. They respond more to hatred. Uh, and, you know, if you, post something nice and loving, it's probably not going to get much um, traction. Right. But if you post anger and theory and hate and horror and fear, you'll see it everywhere. So that's now that's getting into another show and topic. But it is, but it is, it is part of the discussion for sure. Yeah. It's part of the, the art discussion, uh, the creative process. And a lot of this is certainly working through, as you did with the the depiction of Lilith, you worked through your own darkness, if you will, the the other parts Mm -hmm. of yourself. That's magic. That's alchemy. That's positive, no matter how dark it looks. But when you're talking about these movies and these TV shows where they're all talking about hurting children or abusing children. I mean, I just talked about earlier tonight uh, the story, uh, uh, you know, the TV show Rick and Morty. No. uh -uh. Okay, so for those of you who Probably most of you probably know Rick and Morty, but for those of you who don't know Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty is this uh, cartoon TV show. It's on what is it? Adult Swim. I, I don't even know where it's where it airs officially. I just recently watched it, but it's been out for several years. Uh, Rick and Morty is it's kind of like a cartoon and raunchy version of Back to the Future almost with the scientists mm-hmm. and, and the kid. Um, but when when I first heard about Rick and Morty, I heard that the guy that created it, Dan Harmon, he he was kind of controversial for a while a few years ago because he did this video where he was raping a little tiny doll, pretending that it was a baby, right? It was really weird. And then you watch Rick and Morty, and the first season of Rick and Morty, there's a character who is literally raping children. And so that was the, fir- the first controversy. Now just, it was I think this was yesterday or the two days ago, uh, the, co- the other co-creator of Rick and Morty was just fired because he's like, he got... Uh, charged with domestic abuse and other things. So it's the people that create these shows or create this art, they're involved in things, whether that's beating up their wife or their friends, like they're like on the verge of being psychopathic, murderer, criminal, sociopaths. And then they put that content into the show or into the movie. It's like they're drawing on some kind of heavy, dark energy. And then we're consuming that as the public and feeding into it. And it creates this feedback cycle. Well, and you, you've discussed this on your other shows, um, you know, over the centuries of, uh, what's that castle? Uh, Muno, the darkness. The Muno Bell, the Chateau, something. I forget the exact the, name. The one with all the murders and death. What is it called? Uh, There's the Castle the of Darkness. And- <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Um, and I don't mean to laugh, but there, because there's so many, that's the absurdity of it. But, you know, you've done shows and others have done shows on... Um, these are, you know, these rituals uh, that have been going on for centuries, mm-hmm. but none of us would really know about that unless we were listening to, say, Art Bell. Some of us do remember Art Bell. Like when, when we all stayed up until 2 a.m. and, you know, then Clyde 
Lewis. Um, and unless we tapped in and turned it on at, you know, 1 a.m., right, on the radio or 12, right? So now you're like, oh, I'm just curious what the, the score is between um, the Steelers and the Browns. And all of a sudden I'm seeing these things and I'm like, whoa, wait, what's that? You know, I mean, it's right there being thrown into our faces because I'm sure, like, hasn't this been around for like, and you've done shows, you and others have done shows on, on these, um, what would you call them? What's the word? Esoteric, occult. Well, yeah, the circles, the secret societies and all that. Well, okay, so Robin, that's what I think it is. I think that the more decadent and the more corrupt society becomes or government becomes, the world really isn't that bad. But the more we consume of this, uh, the more we're corrupted. And the more corruption there is, the more decadence there is. What happens is any culture, any civilization throughout human history like the Roman Empire, when it collapses, it collapses under its own weight. And within that corruption, you have the orgies, you have the, the murders, you have all these t- things that are just the, the epitome of a collapsing society. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's, that's what this is. And it's the open declaration of, it's almost like the, the fear of the Father's hand, like where the Pope puts his hand up. It's the fear of the people in positions of power. Look what we do to your children. Look what we do to the most innocent. Imagine what we'll do to you. Stay in line. And they show us that in the art and the movies, etc. That's kind of what I yeah. think it is. And I have such uh, admiration uh, for you and others that are continuing to um, examine, explore it, uh, enlighten uh, these extremely difficult topics. Uh, You know, there's so many people that really their intentions are um, in good places on on both sides. I think, you know, I'm going to stay hopeful. I really am, you know, um, I think there's just so, huh? I said you're being objective and hopeful and positive. Well, no, I can't. How could we can't lose hope? I mean, I know that as dark as things are, there are also glimmers of really amazing, beautiful things happening, too. And so where are you going to direct your attention? Because there are times when I have to, like, say I'm not I'm not going to answer the phone or look at it for a couple of days and I'm going to go for a walk in nature and take you know, pictures of the eagles flying above on our property and be in, um, taken, you know, kind of like refueling yourself and centering and grounding yourself too. You have to have an equilibrium in your own energy just to have the strength to continue to push forward and move on. Certainly. And I am amazed by you, especially because I, I think I came across the show of yours many years ago. Um, I mean, it was a long time ago. Uh, you know, I think when well, you were on Clyde Lewis several times, but like back, you know, when Art Bell was still on and um, you were discussing ancient Egyptology and the research. And I love it. I love seeking knowledge and I love exploring. And there's going to be things you're going to explore, but um you see, but now it's like right in front of us, pushing our faces. And I don't really understand what that is. Or I mean, it's just, it seems like it's only been what, like in the last three or four years? When would you say that this um, all became like front and center right in front of us? Because I, 
I want to say three or four years or even. Well, it's become main. It's become more mainstream, mainstream. for sure. Yeah. Right. Like, like I remember talking about Jeffrey Epstein eight years ago. And well, I, yeah, you and um, and even art, you know, a lot of things that art fell and others uh, on those late radio programs and Clyde Lewis uh, were discussing that the mainstream had no clue about. Yeah. Or refused to cover. But yeah, and, I, and I'd say it's. Or read books. <laughs> Maybe do yeah. your homework instead of follow a hashtag that's trending, but actually like do some research and you know, pull out your, uh, all these amazing books on, uh, you know, the mysteries and, you know, so forth. Secret teachings of all ages, Robin. Absolutely. That's the classic. That's the classic. So if you're you're just joining us, our guest this evening for this hour, Robin Punsalon, she's a professional artist. She oil paints. She's an illustrator. She's done a ton of incredible stuff. Her art is really beautiful. In fact, I've never told you this, but your art kind of makes me feel light and fluffy. It's a, it's a, it gives me well, a positive feeling. So it's much well, different than the other stuff I, I discuss. Yeah. And sorry, you know, ahead. during the pandemic, I think myself and other artists found that we did, and even people discovered that I have friends that never saw themselves as artists and because they were at home and couldn't go anywhere, doing those amazing creative projects because they have the time to explore and make discoveries. And I made some of my best work through the, um, you know, during when we were in the lockdown mm-hmm. per se, you know, and, um, and I wanted to, I needed to create things of hope and um, prosperity and blossoming. I just painted flowers. I wanted to feel like we're going to come through this and survive and bloom you know, kind of like the lotus surviving in the mud, mm-hmm. you know? So thank, I appreciate you saying that. Of course. I really sincerely mean that. And when, you know, the funny thing is when I do my show and I've experienced this on and off, I get, I go, I get into bad habits, I guess, sometimes where I over prepare for a show, but a lot of times I just have a single idea or a, a show topic. I might have a news article. And when I sit down and just do it without planning it, I think it always comes out the best and I always get the best reviews. Yeah. Once you kind of have a map in your head and then you allow yourself room to explore without worrying about the results. Yes. Because when you try to control the result, but um, if you just, you know, and whether it's broadcasting, you know, uh, the art of radio, um, you know, you just kind of, you have the knowledge, you have all the tools and then allow it. And then it just naturally will flow through you. Whether that's painting, I assume I'm not a painter, but whether that's painting or whether that's radio or podcasters, I mean, podcasting from what, uh, you know, people that decide to start a podcast, I, I did host one for a short while and we did well, but you know, there was a lot to learn. Yeah. So the point, the point is the positive point though, then Robin, is that you basically let the soul or the spirit take over and guide you. Your yeah, we thought we're going to do a show. We're going to talk about whatever's currently happening. We're going to have fun. And we're going to allow ourselves to make happy accidents. And it was honest. And I think because we were honest, saying we really don't know what we're doing. <laughs> well, that, res- that resonates with people, I think. <laughs> you're on- and you're honest about it. Let me, let, me ask you, yeah. let me ask you this, too. So 
we're, we're going into we skip we skip the break tonight if you know if you're just joining us and you thought you know we uh we might have had a break and you missed the break and you missed something you definitely missed a few minutes of conversation because we did not have a break so you can go back into the archive later and listen uh, i wanted to ask you about the paintings that have or people have at least attempted to deface them uh, the van goghs and others in the name of stop oil because uh, because uh. that that was weird the 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 group that is sponsoring that is run by a woman who's the granddaughter who's like her grandfather was an oil tycoon and we, we i did a whole show on this but what is your take on that i was serious and livid i really was i mean i remember uh i think it was a year before we all um the pandemic you know it was like what was that 20 was it, early it wasn't 2020 Early 2020. 2020. Prior to that, I, w- I was in New York City, and I went to several exhibits at the Guggenheim, the Met, MoMA, and saw, I think I saw, like, um, Starry Night for the first time. Like, I, you know, and uh, I've seen uh, the Mona Lisa when I was in Paris, but, I mean, I was like, to be around everybody looking at this painting that is so iconic, and then, you know, there's been songs written about Starry Night. There's been ice skating performances to it, you know. And I remember standing there, like, thinking, oh, it's not as big as I thought it was. But the energy of everyone looking at it was really beautiful. And when when I saw what they were doing, I was like, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> you know, I mean, my first thought was, <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, Look what you robbed. Um, I mean, I was really livid and pissed, and I really had to bite my tongue not to go on a Twitter rant about it. You know, the iron, the irony because in there it, was no point. No, the irony in it <laughs> was that like Van Gogh, Van Gogh, for example, he painted with plant-based oils. It wasn't the same kind of oil, and the oil that they don't like is the oil that went into making the cover of the soup can and that went into the process of making and shipping and transporting the soup. Van Gogh didn't even use the same kind of oil. It's, it's well, ironic. Okay. So I've heard different theories on actually the materials that they used back then, because like I work with, I work in oils, right? right so I right. have to, I use a certain, uh, gambling, um, uh, mineral spirits. I, you know, I try to be, uh, as least toxic on the environment and myself of what I'm breathing in, you know, um, and, and nowadays companies are a little more sensitive to that. Well, back then, who knows, you know, Camille Claudel was sculpting, just going in the backyard in the middle of the night and scooping mud out of the ground. <laughs> I mean, you know, they were a little more like cardboard. Uh, I think uh, a lot of them, you know, pin on the cardboard. Um, I'm sure they explored with whatever they had handy, especially if they didn't have the money because, if you if you don't have money to purchase these items, artists will find a way to create with anything. I mean, I've used eyeshadows when I traveled and I didn't huh. have anything to draw, but that drove me crazy. And I went through my eyeliner to draw. <laughs> um, so you're determined to use what you have. So back then, I don't really know. Um, well, supposedly, sure supposedly the one painting with the tomato soup was a painting that was the Warhol, dur- the Warhol. Yeah. It, no, no, not, no, not the Warhol, the, the Van Gogh that was, that had the soup oh, thrown they on threw it. Tomato soup at it. Yeah. Okay. Luckily it had a protective case and then they glued themselves to the wall. But that, oh. that, that painting was supposedly made with a, they say with some kind of plant based oil. It wasn't petroleum based, 
but but the glue that they used to glue their hands to the wall that was petroleum based. <laughs> <laughs> That's just kind of funny. I mean, it's just. Um, I, I mean, I can respect. Uh, you know, I know that there's been many environmentalists going after very artists, like with Christo and so forth, because mm-hmm. what he, and you can search him as. C-H-R-I-S-T-O, environment. And you can see the list of timeline of his work and on the wildlife and the Colorado River and the Rocky Mountains and the people that put a stop to that. But, um, I mean, there are certainly more power to you to make your stance, you know, I mean, I, I accept that, you know, but the way it went about was just so stupid to me. Well, it seems as if you're trying to do something honorable and admirable, you don't destroy not only precious works of art, but things that, even if you don't necessarily like them, like I'm not a huge Van Gogh fan, but it's still beautiful art. You don't destroy that in the name of making the planet a better place. It just, um, I mean, and then people were joking about Warhol's tomatoes. I mean, there were some really good memes. I mean, it was angry and infuriating, but the artist, were like, well, you know, they couldn't, you know, <laughs> like there are people that create art with food, mm-hmm. uh, wine, tea, um, tea paintings, wine paintings, you know, they drip wine and they draw something. You know? So, yeah, it just, it was one of those things where I shook my head and like, oh, I can't look at this. I just. Mm. Does what, does what I, th- you know, what I've expressed here on the show, you've probably heard the shows I've done on this. Does it make sense when I, I'm suggesting uh, to everybody listening that I feel it's some sort of anti, uh, anti-progressive, if you will, or anti-civilization um, type of ideology where the goal is to rip down all the things that are beautiful, all the things that are right. productive and come from the human mm-hmm. soul and spirit. That's what it feels like to me. And I, 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 you're probably more um, focused in, in looking through that, you know, examining that, I feel like there are so many splinters of ideologies going against each other right now. I lost track. Does oh, yes. that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. I completely agree. Like, I was like, okay, so you're for this and you're against that. Well, now it feels like the people on the other side are also against it. And two people are fighting about the same thing, but that's not going to stop them from fighting each other. And like, Let's find the most creative, unusual, unique way to approach us with another attack. And I'm like, okay, where are we at again? Because, like, are you invited? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there's so much. It's really, it, it's, it's, there, there's so much happening all at once. Okay, so then let me, let me ask you this. I Obviously, when we read the news, we watch news videos, or you listen to radio, whatever you listen to that tends to shape your perspective on the world. Unless you truly have an open mind, you just gather info. Well, I feel that definitely there's propaganda and orchestration. That I do yeah, no believe doubt. in. No doubt. Um, but there are things uh, where people are trying to challenge these, uh, you know, make a challenge against it. But I'm thinking, is that really the most health productive way to go about it? But I'm here at home doing my thing, and they're over there, so I could have no clue to even try to understand what they're doing. True, you know? true. I mean, I think that a lot of these, I mean, this isn't my opinion, and also some of it's definitely factual. A lot of young kids that have been 
provided with an ideology to believe in through universities, separated from their families, very angry, emotional, and that's used and that's piggybacked on by political movements, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I think, really the core of what that particular issue with the vandalizing of the art and the ripping down of statues is and stuff like that. I mean, it's just to glue yourself. I mean, listen, I love Roscoe. I would love to be glued to Roscoe, spend a whole day with him. (laughs) (laughs) Or Pollock, you know, my, I love my Pollock, you know, I, I don't think I want to be glued to him, but if I could spend an entire night in a museum you know, next to Pollock, I would be very happy. Um, but I'm not like, why would you hurt yourself and do that? Like, I don't, I don't get it. And, and, and then I wonder, do they think like how others might view it? And I was going to ask you something because I, okay. So I don't even know what's liberal and conservative anymore, to be quite honest with you. Me either, Robin. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, because I guess I assume growing up with artsy fartsy parents that I was a classic liberal. I'm an artist, but then I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, well, yeah, I'm liberal, but I have common sense. And now I'm like, my husband's like, I think you're conservative. I'm like, (laughs) I don't even know anymore. Like, like if you mean conservative, like this isn't nice. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, um, it feels like the goalposts keep changing and now the one is becoming the other. And now you have to call yourself, like, do I say I'm a classical liberal? Because, like, it, when did it become classical liberal? And um, it's mind-boggling. I'm like, can't I just be a human being going through the human experience? So, you know, they told somebody, they're like, well, are you liberal? Or are you Republican? Are you Christian? Are you pagan? I'm like, well, I, I'm Catholic, but I also embrace um, um, the Lakota Sioux, you know, the pagan faith. I have great admiration for um, the um, Wiccan, you know, low magic. I appreciate high magic. It's mm-hmm. a little, you know, wild out there, but I, I, I'm fascinated by it. I'm like, can I just be a Mysterian? How about that? I'm, a, I'm just a circumstantialist. I don't know. Give me an example. I'm I'll tell you if I agree. I am taken by the mystery of everything. And I think you are too. And I think that when friends ask me about your show, I'm like, it's not like it's a conservative show or it's a leftist show. He's just another seeker of the knowledge and exploring the past in connection to the patterns and the future of where we are today and uh, the human condition through this roller coaster that we're constantly on. Well, I'm going to have to get you to do a promo for me then. (laughs) (laughs) That was better than this I could pro- better than I could pro- uh, promote myself. No, so so there's a lot of things that we could talk about in more detail. We're going to definitely do another show where we can have more time to talk. We've got. I think the AI. You know what? I think the topic of AI because now you're bringing up copyright lawsuits. Okay, and now here's another thing I want to ask you. Now YouTubers are having trouble with other. Okay, so. I don't really, okay, like, to me, there's radio. When I think of broadcasting, I think of, you know, AM, old mm-hmm. school radio. Old school, right? yeah. And then, you know, but even, you know, Clyde, he's on, you know, George Knapp, who I love dearly. Um, and even your show, you know, you're, you guys are, you were discovering and discussing this thing a long time ago. So here's the thing. 
Now you have anybody that can go, you know what? I'm not going to do stand-up comedy anymore. I am going to teach people how to raise their vibration. And I'm like, well, how did you make that leap from stand-up comedy to the shockers and keeping... (laughs) And now they all are everywhere, okay? But they don't have the information correct. Like, they're like, well, that lion woman, I'm like, well, which one, Bast or... um, Oh, the goddess. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't know what they're talking about. They're just pulling things from the air from whatever they saw trending that they found and only took two seconds. So I'm like, they're getting the information from other people that don't have the knowledge. Okay. Now they got YouTube channels. Smash that like button. You can also follow us on Instagram. Please, RT. Right. And I feel like um, now, one, it's the ego. Because the social media, now anybody can be a celebrity for not really doing much, you know. So what happens if you have a YouTube or you have um, a, a program and you're just borrowing things, everybody's borrowing the same thing? Is there, like, a copyright? Do you know what I'm asking? Because I'm kind of confused. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think copyright's the right word. I think that there's a lot of mimicry and sometimes memory, you know, and, and, and basically replicating what someone else does, it can be a very, um, I guess you could say it's kind of like a, a compliment in a way, but in other ways, right. it's just stealing, stealing stuff and, and trying to make a name for yourself. If that's kind of what you're referring to. Yes, because everybody wants to be, um, it's because of the, you know, reality Kardashian thing, you know, that, um, now you can have a, um, post your videos on uh, Instagram of you dancing and you can become a celebrity. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't know, but to me, like Denzel Washington, <laughs> you know, he would never be on social media, but so now the, and my husband even asked before we started to talk, make sure you say something original. Okay. And we just laughed because nothing we really say is original. So, if you have AI, the artists have been dealing this for God knows what, right? You know, kids are selling their little sketches on Etsy, and next thing you know, Pottery Barn is making mad money off of it. So we're all like, done there, done that, copyright law, you know, entertainment, legal contracts. You have unions for artists to protect them and lawyers that work with them. But when it's just an idea and you're seeking out um, things on the Internet, which anybody could do, like, is there such a thing as ownership? Well, you'll, that, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah, but don't you think it's kind of like, and really it always boils down to who has the most followers and wanting the ego is interfering with focusing on what you're exploring and your purpose of why you're communicating what you are. And now it's just... Um, anything to get me more likes and, and, and look, more look how this is the thing about algorithms and the thing about Netflix and other streaming platforms is the next thing that they suggest you to watch. Is it really because you've watched things that the ideas uh, that kind of relate to this next thing it's suggesting, or is that what they're suggesting to drive you to watch something they want you to watch? How can you really know if it's the algorithm? You, and that's the, no, you don't know. know, you don't know. And you don't know if you can trust you can trust the the sincerity of 
whether it's individual or the popularity of something, because you have things that come out of nowhere that become popular overnight because the algorithms are uh, distorted and manipulated. Search engine results are manipulated to put certain politicians or certain celebrities or certain right. et cetera, et cetera, into certain positions of, of social and cultural influence. Well, and I, I've done this. If I if they ask me, do you like this? I say yes, because then I hope that I'll see more of things like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, so then I'm like, well, I can't blame them. I did say that I liked that documentary on the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the haunting of the Cecil Hotel. And, you know, I do have my those areas that I'm like, ooh, ooh, oh, yeah, this haunted asylum and that. But then I'm like, okay, thanks, Netflix. I think I'll watch something, you know, like, you know what I mean? Then I'm like, okay, I did this upon myself, right? But from talking to other friends, it does seem like Netflix, when you look at what's new, okay, because what's new is going out to everybody, right? If you look at what Netflix has coming out or Hulu, everything that's coming out is all under the same fear, murder, um, documentaries on murders, um, um, death, destruction, mur- you know what I mean? The dark stuff. Which so, it's, which then it, the Robin, it's no surprise then when you get, you know, people that like created Rick and Morty that are raping babies for fun and, you know, beating up their, their significant others. It's the people that make the content they're influenced by things in their own lives. And, and there are people out there watching from. it saying, this is great stuff. This is the best horror movie I've ever seen. And maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it is a great horror movie. The thing is, like, I, I started out tonight's show and I talked about how the Momo challenge and I looked at the TV show Evil and how these two things, one thing that's in real life, one thing that's influenced by real life, how they relate to this Skinamarink movie, the, which you actually had sent me the, the well, article Well, and on. let me tell you, I first of all, I'm surprised it came up wherever I found it. And I don't know if, oh, no, I think it was trending. And it was trending, and I I thought I had misread it as Skinwalker Ranch, right? <laughs> so I said, well, is that, what's Skinamarink? Is that connected to Skinwalker? And uh, I clicked on it, and then when I saw uh, screenshots of the poster, I immediately got a vibe and an energy from the poster, right? And then I said, well, let me clink on the trailer and I'll tell you something. I could not watch more than five seconds. I was done. And I think just five seconds, I said, Ryan, you need to see this. I can't look at it, but I know you, (laughs) I know there's something there and I just can't go there. But this, you know, you'll find a lot under there. I just had a feeling there's a lot well, under the, there. There is just on the surface, the description of this movie and where the title comes from and how it's so similar. And the voiceover, like, wasn't the voiceover, like I said, I only heard five seconds and I was like, uh-uh, no. Well, so that's, yeah. that's like the movie Smile. I could not watch the movie Smile for the same reason. I feel just like you do that. I feel sick. I feel like there's something wrong with it. It's not just a no, scary was- movie. There's a sigil, there's a talisman, something that's been charged. There's an influence well, or an and energy there. Here's another thing about sigils. Okay, so logos are sigils. Apple is a sigil. Yes, it is. Mercedes-Benz is a sigil. And I've done logo art, as you know. You know, you've seen, I did one for MGM, Diversity Program. That was in 2008. Um, but I've done, you know, the dog logos. I think my dad did the logo for the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
Well, I learned about, even though he was a fine artist, he was like a, think of Kevin Costner's cowboy from the Dakotas. It goes to New York, just, you know, San Francisco scene and then New York fashion. And, you know, I mean, he, Don Draper, he was an eclectic fun mix of everything. Um, but he taught me the power of the logo. It is the most simplistic energy in the use of the line and the intent in how the eye is your eye must travel good design if you do a painting or a drawing the, the key thing is you ask it can the eye travel so um you're the and we're just about we're, we're, we're just about out of time though we've got about a minute okay. about a minute or so we got to wrap up All okay right. but go ahead so think about it Drip down to the bone, the eye has to travel. If the eye is so focused on traveling, making that mark in the head, right, then you immediately see a logo for like, you know, I'm going to say Mercedes-Benz or all these others. And that is really, those are sigils, right? Because of the intent and the intention of the energy and how the line is moved, right? The That's, movement yes. in the sense. Yeah. Yes. It's fascinating. And so, it really is, is. so it's why companies choose red and yellow because the red and yellow in, induce a state of hunger and desire. Well, and here's the thing. I have a book called The History of Red, and it goes through the history because to me, I don't see a color as good or bad. I use red in conjunction with black and white because it's the way the pop of the composition of the painting. I mean, red is assertive and aggressive, but it also represents an energy work. Uh, physical activity being rooted and grounded. So it represents um, re rebirth and alchemy as well in the mystery I mean, schools. It, there's good aspects and there's positive aspects. But when you add red and you add, okay, so the red on its own is fine, but then what else are you adding to it? A gold crown, a throne, a snake. And then you're like, okay. Okay. It starts you know, to have I mean, it starts to have this deeper subconscious unconscious influence. Well, you're influence. just adding accessories to it to create a whole picture. Um, We're gonna because have, I've done beautiful paintings in red, but I might mute it to like a burgundy or maroon, and sometimes bright red is hard on the eyes. Hey Robin, we're gonna but, have we're gonna have to come back and do this and go into the details of we can do logos, we can do AI art on another show. We're just unfortunately out of time, but I'd like to give you just a second to give us your final comments. I don't know. I, I feel like anything I say is going to sound like one of those silly well, some, fights. A good fight. You some, know what I mean? Sometimes silence can say more. As I yeah, always, just, I always say to end the show, stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid, be informed. That's kind of rhetoric I do to end the show. But either way, we'll have you back on Robin Punsalan. Right. And if somebody wants to find your art, where can they find you? I have a Facebook art page, uh, Robin Punsalan Art. Um, I've been using Twitter a lot, and it's uh, Robin R. Puncelon Art and Instagram. But you're going to see lots of dogs, too, so if you're a dog lover, you know. All right, well, I have all that linked up in the description of the thank show. You. Robin, thank you so but much I, for coming Twitter, on. Twitter and Twitter more than anything lately, yeah. Thank you so I much for coming this. on. This was really fun. This. Yeah. Okay, you have a great night, all right? All right, you as well. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, this is The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. 
Stay tuned to The Secret Teachings because tomorrow, as always, you don't want to miss the show. spaceships uh, you're not going to find heaven they're not physical places what happened before the big bang the church of course saw scientists as a great threat illuminati secret society illuminati